traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio show in the United States of America. We reach all the way up into Maine and all the way down to Georgia and uh, have a great audience. So thank you very much for spending a little bit of your Saturday afternoon with me, Steve Moore. uh, And we love to talk about finance. We love to talk about the economy, a little bit about politics and how it will affect your pocketbook. We will have uh, the uh, Ryan and Bob Payne on in a few minutes to talk about the markets and how you can make more money in the markets. But I want to start by, first of all, wishing everybody a happy and healthy new year. I also want to tell you about my new book. I'm going to do a little shameless self-promotion here. I have a new book out, just came out on Tuesday, called Govzilla. Govzilla, how the relentless growth of government is devouring our economy. And we all see that happening every day with the massive increase in government spending that has happened in the last uh, 18 months uh, during COVID, but also accelerating greatly under Joe Biden. And I am going to be taking your questions at the end of this uh, show in the last 15 minutes, because I love hearing from you all. I always tell people, One thing I love about doing WABC and this show uh, is that I love to hear from our audience, and we have the smartest listeners in the country. And so uh, love your insights. This is Freedom of Speech Radio, so I love to hear from people who agree with me. And actually, I love to hear from people who disagree with me. I I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, liberal, conservative. This is about how we can make our country better and how we can make our country richer and more prosperous. So please uh, do call in. I'll be giving you that more hotline uh, number on WABC uh, in a few minutes. But I want to talk about the new book because I'm very excited about it. And I want people to get it. Uh, you can, by the way, you can get it on Amazon. I think it's 15 bucks. You know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's not a big major purchase. Uh, it, and by the way, it's only 150 pages long. It's got a lot of kind of pictures and charts. You can read it literally in two nights. You can you can become one of the world's experts on the finances of our country in two nights by just looking at. And it's really a historical perspective because it starts with the whole story of our founding of our country. I know people, my liberal friends, don't like to talk about the founding of our country and the founding principles and what our Constitution is about. They roll uh, their eyes when we talk about this. But it is absolutely true that the founding of our country and our constitution were based on a limited government, a limited government with 
what we call enumerated powers. That, that is the powers uh, that were not explicitly assigned to the federal government rest with, according to the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in our Bill of Rights, the all powers not explicitly given to the federal government reside with, you know the end of this, right? They reside with the states and the people, the people. We have the power, not government. In fact, our Constitution, I know this is just a tutorial, but it's so important. Our Constitution is a rule book about what the government can and cannot do. And those rights of the federal government are very limited and enumerated in our Constitution. They're about, uh, you know, having a court system, having a rule of law, having uh, a, a, uh, you know, building roads and bridges, taking care of our national security. You're not going to find the word education, schools in our uh, in our Constitution. You don't see the word health care because no, our founders never even envisioned that these would be things that would uh, be spent in the hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars by our United States federal government. And so what I show in the book is that back when our when our country was started, the government really was very limited. Uh, there were only a few thousand people in the federal bureaucracy, where now we have millions of people in the federal bureaucracy. Uh, the annual, annual expenditures were quite tiny, even adjusted for inflation, were less than a billion dollars, a billion. Now we're spending you know, multi-trillions of dollars. And so I just go through how it is that we have allowed government to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's just this, the curve goes straight up. And then Biden comes in and it just goes through the roof with all of this spending. And remember, we had a trillion dollars of COVID money that was left over from you know, the the COVID relief bill that passed in the last few months of Trump. So that was a trillion dollars, one trillion, by the one in 12 zeros. Remember, a trillion dollars is a million million dollars. So we had a trillion dollars in the pipeline. Then what is Biden coming? Oh, we need one point nine trillion dollars more to help out states. So we passed a blue state bailout bill, one point nine trillion. Then uh, let's see, back in October, we passed a one point one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. And then they wanted four to five trillion dollars more for their social welfare bill. And even without that bill, even without that bill, we have spent uh, well over one hundred and sixty billion dollars for our schools, 160 billion dollars. And now I ask the question, and this is what a lot of Americans are asking, you should be asking this question of your elected officials, where is that money? Because you may have seen last week with this new wave of COVID, the uh, Omicron, they are now talking about another trillion dollar spending bill. These people are saying, folks, they need to be stopped. They're spending our money like it's candy, like it's M&Ms. And this will lead to the bankrupting of our country. If we allow all of these spending bills to go through and anything like the Build Back Better bill, I was just talking to my good friend, Larry Kudlow, who's on uh, this station right before I am. And he was saying he thinks this bill is dead. And God, I pray that he is right. <laughs> and Larry, most of the time is right. But I'm a little bit more worried than he is. Uh, I think that uh, there's a chance they're going to try to bring this thing, Bill. You're seeing they're trying to bre- break the filibuster so they can build, p- pass this thing and, and the, their sham voter right bill with 51 uh, votes in the Senate rather than 60. And so what I'm here to tell you is 
we are at a crossroads in America right now. Are we going to stand up as citizens and defend our Constitution? I'm not talking about any violence. I'm not talking about insurrection. I'm just talking about using our rights as citizens to make sure our Constitution is upheld and that our rights are preserved. And they're under assault right now. When you have a government that is borrowing two, three, four trillion dollars a year and authorizing money that we don't have and printing money. And and you all saw what happened yesterday where we had, uh, according to the latest statistics for the last year, wages were up four point six percent, but inflation was up by six and a half percent. So people's people are falling behind. If you want to know the effect of all this borrowing spending, go to the grocery store, <laughs> buy meat, buy poultry, buy go to the gas station. I mean, it isn't an accident, folks, that you're paying more and more money for all of these goods and services. So the whole point of Godzilla is to try to make Americans educated about what we are doing to our country with this massive increase in government spending. And one of the points I make is when I look around the world and, you know, this is why we teach history, right? This is why it's so important to teach American history and world history. So you don't repeat the mistakes of history. <laughs> Excuse me. One of the central lessons of world history, world economic history, is that what leads to the decline of great empires, whether you go back to the Greeks, whether you go to back to the Romans, whether you go back to the British empire, whether you go back to the United States, which over the last 75 years has been the world economic superpower. We are putting that at risk with our politicians spending, borrowing, raising taxes, and massively increasing the reach of government on our lives. And I look at what happened in the Soviet Union. I look at what's happened in Cuba. I'm looking at what's happened in Venezuela, Argentina, Mexico, Bolivia, Zimbabwe. All of these countries that are desperately poor and have seen their countries collapse, Greece is because they let their governments get out of control and they they uh they uh you know denounced their currency and they let their currencies devalue and it led to the to the end and it, it led to the impoverishment of their citizens so this is what i'm warning about folks in govzilla by the way you're going to love the cover of govzilla it shows you know a godzilla type figure you know bursting out of the capital just eating everything that it can, <laughs> including, uh, you know, uh, our, uh, uh, our resources. So we cannot allow this to happen. I hope you will get Godzilla and, uh, and get it to your friends and get it in the school. Help me get it in the schools. I want, you know, I want our kids to learn this message that we, our, our government is out of control. It's an unconstitutional grab of a power grab by this Congress and by this president. And by the way, this is not a partisan thing, folks. I know that we have a lot of loyal Democratic listeners. Thank you for listening. This is not Republican Democrat. I mean, I think Biden's taken to a new height with all the spending. The Republicans do it. Republicans spend money like it's candy, too, because, folks, politicians love to play Santa Claus. I'm going to make one last point before we take our break, and you're going to great, get a great update on what's happening in the markets from my friend, uh, 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 the, the Paynes, uh, led by Ryan Payne. But here's another thing, and I've quoted this many times, but it's one of my favorite quotes about government and our economy. And it comes from Ronald Reagan, who said that a government that is big enough to give you everything you want is also big enough to take everything you've got. Let me say that again. 
A government that is big enough to give everything you want to you is big enough to take everything you've got away from you, right? Because the only way the government can spend money is to take it from from you and me and other people. The government doesn't create any resources. They just take it and they reallocate it in an incredibly inefficient way. We have to fight against this. We have to band together as Americans, conservatives, liberals, Democrats, independents, Republicans to stop this steal of our money of our money by our politicians. And when we sit back and do nothing, then that only encourages them to uh, dig deeper into our pockets. And I'm sick of it. And I'm very worried about what this means for the future of our country. One last statistic before we take our break. Every child born today, any one of you who are listening, if you have a, a son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter that is less than five years old, that child, by the time they reach the age of 30, their share of this national debt that we've just the increase in the national debt that we've taken in the last few years will be $300,000. That's what we're leaving to our kids, a $300,000 debt per person, per person. We want to leave our every generation. The American dream is to leave every generation, the next generation better off. Are we doing that? I don't think we are. And it's got to stop. All right. Uh, You're listening to The More Money Show on WABC. I'm economist Steve Moore. Get Govzilla. Share it with your friends. Share it with your kids. Share it with everybody so they can see this. And uh, we will be right back with the Ryans. uh, I'm sorry, with the Paynes to talk about what is happening with the capital markets and with the stock market. And then I will be back with I've got a couple of great guests. And then the last 15 minutes, folks, I will be taking your questions and your comments about Do you approve of this massive spending spree? Because I sure as hell don't. Okay, we'll be right back. You're listening to More Money on WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Talking economies, market, investing. Happy New Year to everybody. And Bob, man, oh man, talk about the year starting off with a bang. We had the Fed come out this week and just surprise everyone, getting more hawkish. Interest rates are skyrocketing. We've had a 25% move up in interest rates. We've warned about inflation. You know, if you look at labor right now, we're down to a 3.1% unemployment. Wages are going higher. It's crazy, Bob. I can't believe we're starting the year off with so much action right now. Well, you know, right, it's kind of like counter to last year. Last year, we had very little volatility. We're starting this year up with a lot of volatility, but... You know, volatility cuts both ways. I've never had a client complain about upside volatility. It's only when it goes down that somehow it's an issue. (laughs) Funny how that works, right? We like to see our portfolios go up, not down. But, you know, one of the things we warn about week after week, and anyone who listens to our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth, uh, or has listened to our radio show for many years, is we don't like bond funds and interest rates going up the way they are. Bond funds are starting to get hammered here. And we've been warning about it, Bob, and the day of reckoning has finally come. Yeah, you know, Rob, we're only at 1.7% uh, on the 10-year Treasury. A lot of the pundits and experts think we'll be at 2% pretty quickly. Uh, but you take a look at what's happening with these open-ended bond investments. You have the longer-term bond funds are down 5 6% already year-to-date. Even the short-term uh, investments in bonds are down, you know, over the last 12 months, close to 3%. Um, you know, when they only yield 1% and you're losing three in your principal, it kind of brings home the fact that you'd want to have investments in fixed income where you know exactly when you're yeah. going to get your money back. 
What's well, worse than that, because not only are you losing on your investment, but inflation's at 7%. So it's more like you're down 10% when you factor in purchasing power. And you know, this is one of the big issues that we're seeing right now. You know, We look at about 50 portfolios a month that come in the door. We probably review more portfolios a month than any firm in the country. And what we found is, and we've talked about this at nauseum, is a lot of times you have a lot of tech. You have a lot of growth in your portfolio and you have bond funds which was a great place to be the last 10 years, but not such a great place to be when inflation's going higher. And this year so far, interest rates are going up. We know inflation's hot. And those asset classes like technology and bond funds, what we call long-duration assets, they're getting hit here, Bob. That's why you got to diversify. Yeah, but it's like all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve's starting to pay attention to what we've been talking about now for six months. Um, and I think the surprise this week and of course, you know, I always ask you, Rye, why are there unexpected moves in the financial markets? I'm going to take a wild guess, Bob, because they're unexpected. Exactly. Bingo. Right. And what was unexpected this week? Well, the Fed came out and said, hey, we're going to keep tapering our bond purchases. All right. Check. We knew that. Hey, we're going to increase interest rates this year You know, on the Fed funds rate, maybe two or three times. Check. We already knew that. Hey, our balance sheet's at $9 trillion. We might sell some of those bonds, right? All right, so that was expected. What was unexpected? It's all going to happen this year, <laughs> all of a yeah. sudden. And this is, this is the amazing thing. You think the Federal Reserve, they have more information than you and I will ever be privy to. And you think they'd be ahead of the curve, but they're so behind the eight ball, right? They're talking about transitory inflation all year last year. And you and I last year were saying, I don't know about that, Bob. I think the Fed's probably wrong about this. Inflation looks like it's going to be pretty real. And it's going to be around a long time from where I'm standing. And lo and behold, what happens? We've got inflation at a 40-year high, and the Fed now all of a sudden is saying, wait a second, we were wrong about inflation. Now they're playing catch-up, and that means they've got to get hawkish real, real quick here, Bob. Yeah, then yesterday morning, right, Friday morning, we had the jobs report come out. We find out that unemployment's already down to 3.9%, and we're not even reopening the economy fully at this point. But the big news was something you've been talking about now for months, was wage inflation. We're seeing wages go up now 4.7% year over year. That was another unexpected announcement, except if you've been yeah. listening to you. Well, and all, well, hey, you should always listen to me, Bob. That's, that's what my ego tells me every day. But you know, the sword does cut both ways, right? Because that is inflationary. If you're an employer right now, you've got to, to raise the wages of your workers. And when you do that, your, your costs go up. That means you've got to raise your prices on me and you, the consumer. That's inflationary. But on the other hand, it is good for the economy, right? I mean, people are making more money, uh, which they are right now, and they still have a lot of money left over from that stimulus that we saw over the last two years. You know, people have record amounts sitting in cash right now, which means they have money to spend. This actually does bode well for the economy. No matter what these economists want to tell you, they like to be negative. That's actually a very positive development that people do have money to spend and their wages are going up. This is not all bad. No. And the thing is, if you have your portfolio positioned properly, if you have the proper hedges in your portfolio against inflation and rising interest rates, you're going to benefit from this, right? The best inflation hedge are stocks. And if they go back to last year, our best performing asset class were energy stocks and also real estate investments. I mean, no one could believe that real estate was up 40.5% last year when they think about how's that possible, right? Nobody's going back to the office. <laughs> well, that's, it always surprises you. And this is another reason because you would think tech was the best place to be. It actually wasn't. 
right? And this is why it's really important that you look at what you have in your portfolio right now and making sure that you have what we call those pro-inflationary assets. Because the other thing, Bob, and man, oh man, we pick on this all the time. I mean, I love those gold commercials. They're my favorite. I watch them every day when I'm watching Fox Business. But you know, no matter what they tell you, inflation's up big. Gold's down. Gold's not really an inflation hedge. It's a lie, Bob. Well, you know, Rye, gold's been the worst investment I could possibly imagine. I mean, it's too heavy to carry around. You can't eat it. Doesn't pay a dividend. And you got to store it somewhere, which means if you don't store it properly, somebody can steal it from you. Um, you know, it's just an unsafe, non-performing asset class. But the one I love is now the financial pundits and all these experts, you know, I don't know why they become experts, keep telling us they have cryptocurrency, which is now the new gold. Well, if that's new gold. <laughs> It's just a bad performer. Actually, it's a worse performer. It's already down 20% year to date. That's amazing. Right. And that's the whole conventional wisdom was, well, it's the new gold. It's going to be an inflationary hedge because the government's printing so much money. Well, if it is, why is it going down when inflation's going up? Think about that one. Well, you know, Rod, what's that's the whole point is you have to have a portfolio that's going to give you a positive return, net of inflation, net of taxes. Uh, a net of higher interest rates. And that's why you need to be diversified across asset classes, within asset classes, which means you got to own stocks that pay dividends, right? You want companies that grow their dividends, and you want to have bonds that have a fixed maturity so you know exactly when you're going to get your money back and exactly how much you're going to make. Yeah, the four dangers right now are you don't want to sit in cash because you're losing its purchasing power. Gold, not a great inflation hedge. Crypto, Ouch. Wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole and don't own those bond funds. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, like you'd like to get a full review of your portfolio, know where you stand. Well, Bob and I do this every week. We have 10 slots. If you call right now or text us at 844-752-6692 and you've saved over $750,000 saved for retirement, we'll run our total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally go through everything for you. All you need to do is email us your holdings. We set up a secure email server. We're going to go through all of it. We're going to go through every single investment you own, what fees you're paying. We're going to look at tax optimization, show you how to reduce the cost on your portfolio, optimize for taxes. We're literally going to put together a full income plan. Like when's the best time to take Social Security? How do you generate enough income on your portfolio, but also address inflation because your cost of living is going up? And if you're sitting with way too much money in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do, we're going to put together a full investment game plan. So not only do you grow your wealth over time, but most importantly, protect it. Markets are volatile. We have 10 slots. We literally, if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, we're going to give you a plan to show you how to get from point A to point B with the least amount of risk and the highest odds of success. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. And there's no cost, but there won't be a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, every year we run financial projections for every family that works with us, like the thousand or so at our firm, Payne Capital Management. 
And with the billion dollars that we run, we found is, you know, making the right decisions about your biggest assets can be the difference between being financially secure or basically failing financially speaking. So I thought we could address how you might be taking for granted some of those assets that make up a huge piece of your net worth. And this is a great financial audit to run here at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I have to agree with you, right? I think the biggest asset class that I think is ignored or not treated properly is your own 401k. Yes. You know, you slowly accumulate wealth in those retirement plans and then it becomes a huge part of your net worth and it gets so neglected because a lot of times you're sitting in these 401k plans with limited options, high fees, and you really can't mess around, especially when that becomes a big part of your nest egg. Yeah, I see it as a big problem because, you know, fortunately, if you work for a company that provides it, that's a great company. But they're also trying to keep costs down. So they limit the amount of investment strategies or what they call the investment menu. They, they limit the number of choices. And because they don't want to be liable, they don't give you any advice. So most of you are sitting in your cubicle, reaching over the, the, the other side saying, hey, what are you putting your money in? Oh, man, I'll try that. And then it's like invest and forget, which is the worst thing you can do with any portfolio. Well, it's worse than that, Bob, because a lot of times these purveyors of these 401k plans, especially if it's an insurance company, they like to recommend their own funds. Maybe their funds are the best on God's green earth, but I suspect that a lot of times they're just recommending their funds because they get the internal management fees on those funds, which is a complete conflict of interest, something you've got to watch out for. Well, I have to tell you, I'm sitting here right now and I am shocked, absolutely shocked that they would put mutual funds into a 401k when there's over 100 years of academic research that shows that mutual fund managers, 85% of which underperform their underlying index, and all you're doing is paying additional fees for no better return. It's crazy. In fact, these 401k plans be costing you a lot of money, and you don't know it because the, the beautiful thing about the financial services industry, or not beautiful thing, is they love to hide the fees. They love to take those fees out and not show you. So you've really got to get a handle on that. The other thing to think about too is, well, if you're close to retirement or maybe you're in that financial red zone or you're in a low tax bracket this year, if you could time to convert some of your 401k to a Roth 401k where that money grows tax-free, you can take it out tax-free. Um, so there's so many things to do with your 401k from a tax perspective, from the different options that you have. If you're over 59 and a half, you can roll it into an IRA. So you've really got to address it and most of you are just sitting there and ignoring this big asset that you have. Yeah, there's three major decisions when it comes to your 401k, right? And you can't ignore any one of those three. First is how to max it out. Second is how to manage it and how to invest it. And the third is how to take it out at 72 when you're required to do that required minimum distribution. And, you know, I'm looking at the clock right now and 72 is coming close for me. It goes faster than you really think it will. But dad, you still have it. I'm just, just, just saying, you still, you still got your mojo. So, well, that, that's, that's code for you. I want you to keep working. <laughs> All right. I got so, the Bob, message loud and clear, but here's the other message, right? The other big asset that I think you have to view either as an asset or liability is your real estate holdings, your homes, whether it's your primary home or your vacation home. Yes. And the big thing is like, maybe the kids are out of the house. I remember dad with our childhood home back in Philadelphia, you were still living there at least a good 10 years after we were out of the house. And you started running the numbers on the landscaping every year, the real estate taxes every year. And you figured, well, you're barely using the house. Your expenses are huge. And by selling that house, and now you're, you moved to Florida, well, you know, you're able not only to reduce cost, 
but you're able to take that asset and start to produce income on it. So it's like a double whammy in your favor, getting rid of that big asset that was sucking cash flow out of your pocket every year. Yeah, but Rob, just think about the benefits that I brought to all that furniture I had in those empty rooms. I kept them nice and cool <laughs> in the summer, and I kept them nice and warm in the winter. You know, all that extra expense just to keep furniture that I had to basically throw out. You couldn't even give it away when I, when I eventually sold the home. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of depreciating assets uh, inside of your home. So it's something you have to consider, especially, again, if you're in a position right now where you're thinking about starting to live off your portfolio. The other analysis, Bob, that we run for anyone who comes into our firm and does a review with us is we do that full financial audit. And I love this because we just tally up all the different assets you have and you found, oh, I forgot about the savings account over here or that old 401k I have over here. All of a sudden, you bunch these smaller accounts together and all of a sudden, you have all this money you didn't know about. And by putting it together, you become big assets that have a big impact on your retirement. Oh, there's all kinds of complications with having a bunch of accounts spread out over all these different custodians. And first of all, it's not your fault. It's something that we're taught at birth. You know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So we think, hey, if I have 15 custodians and I get 15 opinions, I'm going to be a better investor. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. The other thing to think about there too is because when you start tallying up all these accounts, all of a sudden, well, you have cash in this account. You have cash in that account. You have cash in the other account. All of a sudden, you have a half a million dollars in cash, a million dollars in cash. And as we know right now, Bob, cash earns nothing. So while inflation is running at 7%, you're losing 7% a year on all that unproductive cash. So it really does pay to do that audit and just see where everything lands right now. Because the one thing you have to think about as you get near retirement, you're retired now, is your money has to be productive. It's not like the last 10 years where we didn't have a lot of inflation. Now we have huge inflation. So you really have to revise your plan and make sure that everything's working for you. Because if not, you're losing big money right now. You know, Rye, I just had a client uh, a year ago, you know, a listener to our radio show who called in and became a client of ours. And we went over all their portfolios and they did. They had 15 different accounts spread out over three or four different custodians. That's insanity. We, that would go crazy. Yeah, and when we finished the analysis, 25% of their you know, multi-million dollar portfolio was sitting in cash or cash equivalents. They couldn't believe it. I had to go through each statement to prove it to them. And they're not someone who just, you know, invest and forget. They were kind of paying of attention to it. They couldn't believe they had that much money not working. And then look at how much money they're able to make in the last year by just simply having that money invested. Well, that's the thing. It's right. When you think about your, your financial independence plan, your retirement plan, it's about that consistency of income. And this is where Social Security is such a big deal. You know, there's hundreds of ways to take Social Security. And you may have heard the rule of thumb. Well, you should wait and get the full amount at age 70, or you should get it full retirement at age 66, 67, whatever it is. That's not true. For everybody, it's different. You know, you need that unique decision for your own plan. Whatever you're going to take your Social Security, how you're going to take it, isn't necessarily the same as somebody else. Now, there's lots of different uh, ways to do it, Rye. You have to include your spouse. It's not just a one spouse decision. There are so many different ways to claim Social Security, and there's a, a lot of it has to do with how financially independent you are with your other asset classes. You can leave a ton of money on the table. It's about compounding. It's about how long you're going to live, and it's about overcoming inflation and taxation and making sure that you have a lifetime of income you can't outlive. It's only one of the most important financial decisions you're going to make, but no pressure, right? <laughs> so these are important no things pressure. you've got to address. And 
what a great time to do that. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, like I need to get an analysis of my 401k, how do I optimize my taxes? Should I be looking at Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks? How do I take social security? Do I have way too much money sitting in cash? Well, we still have six slots left. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We do literally, we have six left. We do them every single week where we're going to go through every investment you own. We're going to do all the work up front at no cost. There's no other firm on Wall Street that's willing to do this. All you have to do is send us your holdings, send them through our secure email server. We're going to look at your entire net worth. We're going to break it down by taxes. We're going to show you how to optimize taxes this year. I think taxes are going higher. You probably do too, but you need a plan around that. We're going to look at income. Inflation's going up. How are you going to live off your portfolio? How are you going to take Social Security? We're going to break it all down. If we're going to put together a full income game plan, and are you taking too much risk? If the market sells off tomorrow, are you in the right position? Are you protected? Or are you sitting with way too much money in cash, earning nothing, losing against purchasing power? Well, we're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your portfolio and your wealth over time, but most importantly, protect your wealth so that you don't run out of money. We literally have six slots left if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next seven callers, you've saved over $750,000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation and there's no cost, but you won't have a plan. You don't text or call right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob and Ryan of Pain Capital Management. We got more money coming your way. Strategists here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. You know, the question I often ask investors is why are there unexpected moves in the financial markets? And the simple answer is because they're unexpected. And that's exactly what happened this week when the minutes from the Federal Reserve meeting revealed that the Fed would continue to taper their bond purchases as expected that they would increase short-term interest rates two or three times in the coming year, as expected, and they would reduce their $9 trillion balance sheet. What wasn't expected is that they would do all three of these events simultaneously, especially since earlier last year, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell assured all of us that would never happen. So stocks dropped on the news and bonds fell as interest rates rose, with the 10-year Treasury hitting a new, fresh, 52-week high yield at 1.8%, up from 1.35% only two weeks ago. Now, stocks came under additional pressure Friday morning when the Labor Department announced a disappointing December jobs report, with only 199,000 new jobs created. Although the unemployment rate fell to a fresh pandemic low of 3.9%, we also had average hourly earnings rise more than expected, to 4.7% year-over-year providing additional fodder for the Federal Reserve to double down on its more recent hawkish tilt. So after a relatively calm market in 2020, we're off to a rocky start so far in 2022, particularly in long-duration assets like bond funds, technology stocks, 
and especially cryptocurrencies. My advice is don't dwell on short-term volatility. Short-term market moves have no predictive power. More importantly, there is no evidence that a more hawkish Federal Reserve is negative for the markets. Short-term swings are more about investor sentiment and emotion, and that is inherently unpredictable. What is predictable is historically markets climb a wall of worry, and the Federal Reserve and their future actions, in the words of Pink Floyd, are just another brick in that wall. My son Ryan and I have 77 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, gold-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. This is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. Uh, You're listening to More Money on WABC. By the way, uh, we love to hear the analysis each week on this show from my good friends, uh, Ryan and Bob Payne. And I want to just remind you that if you want one of those free consultations, that number to call, it's free, is 844-752-6692, 844-PLAN-NYC. They are about the best in the business. So you want to get their consulting services on how to make more money. Now it is my great, great privilege to um, introduce uh, a legend. A legend in the financial markets, uh, a good friend, Rob Arnott, who, uh, who is now the chairman of Research Associates. He has been spot on correct on the financial markets for decades and has built one of the most important financial advisory firms in the country. And Rob also had an incredibly great piece in the Wall Street Journal this week about COVID. So first of all, Rob, thanks so much for joining me afternoon. Thanks for the invitation, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Well, let's get right down to it, Rob. Uh, before I ask you about your uh, interesting perspective on uh, COVID, I want to. Could I ask you a little bit about the financial markets? Absolutely. Okay. So I get asked all the time um, on this show, you know, uh, if Joe Biden's policies are so bad, and I think they are bad. I think they're bad for the country. I think they're bad for the future growth of our economy and for the prosperity of of actually the working class Americans, people at the bottom. Uh, I really worry about that. But then my liberal friends say, well, look, look at the stock market. It's going through the roof. How can you say the same things are so bad under Biden when we had, uh, you know, I think the S&P was up over 25 percent. I don't know the exact number, but it was a very good year for the stock market. So, Rob, yes, how do you square that circle? Because I know you're pretty libertarian. You don't you don't want to see runaway government spending. And yet the stocks went up and up and up. Well, um, the answer is a little surprising and uh, surprisingly simple. And that is when you have suppose let's let's paint two pictures, one, an utterly libertarian government that simply uh, enforces laws to make sure we don't try to get ahead by uh, hurting others, Um, that we try to get ahead by providing products and services that people want. And let's suppose at the other extreme, you have a command and control economy. What's going to happen in the first case? 
people are going to want to invest in the future. They're going to want to create new ideas. Um, stocks represent existing businesses. They don't re represent new businesses. So if new enterprise creation goes through the roof, where's the money for that new enterprise creation going to come from? It'll come right. from capital markets. And so, yes, the libertarian policies will wind up being wonderfully helpful for established businesses, while at the same time creating opportunities to launch new businesses, to take money out of stocks and put it into new enterprises. And so those competing forces mean that libertarian policies are fantastic for the economy, but not always for the stock market. Ah. Meanwhile, hard, hard socialist policies mean what are you going to do? Are you going to start a new business when things are uncertain and headed the wrong direction? Not likely. You're going to park your money in existing assets. Right. And every, every new dollar of uh, uh, income that you have, are you going to spend it or are you going to set it aside for the rainy days that you're fearful are coming? You're probably going to do the latter. So that means lots of liquidity to buy assets of existing enterprises in a um, uh, in an economy that's hard left. One of the most interesting statistics uh, uh, from the last century was that the best four years for the French stock market ever were the last four years under Mitterrand. <laughs> right. The market went up out over 400%. And the reason it did that... By the way, just to interrupt for one second, and so, so our... Listener, some of our listeners are probably too young to remember, but Mitterrand was basically a socialist, right? He was. He expropriated businesses, nationalized industries, and towards the end of his uh, reign, the those policies weren't working. They were a disaster. And so as he began to roll some of them back, it was still a socialist government. It was just becoming a less hard-edged socialist yeah, right. government. The markets right. quadrupled. So I think if I if, can I summarize what you're saying, because I think it's fascinating, which is that the existing companies, the existing economic powers are doing pretty well. But the kind of entrepreneurial small business sector of our economy is going to is getting is going to get hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. Would you start a business when you don't know what the um, tax policies will be three to five years from now, when you don't right. know what the regulatory regime will be, when you don't even know whether. You're going to be serving an industry that um, might face some actual risk of nationalization. Uh, you're probably going to want to just hunker down and, and hold your cash, waiting for a little bit more predictable, a little bit more benign um, right. environment. So the uh, housing market was on fire in 2021. It was a, a huge mm -hmm. increases in home values. And uh, people buying uh, whatever they could get uh, hold of, especially in states like the state you live in, which is Florida. By the way, for those, you know, uh, Rob Arnott is somebody who practices what he preaches. So you moved from California, one of the most beautiful places in the world, in Laguna Beach, to Miami. And was taxes one of the considerations? Taxes were a major consideration. Um, uh, perhaps the dominant consideration. Uh, California has a top tax bracket that. If you adjust for the phase out of, of uh, deductions, yeah, has a top rate that's effectively fourteen percent, and there's talk right. of raising it to seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, um, when that was no longer deductible, starting in two thousand eighteen, 
oh, well, if the feds let me keep 60% and California takes 14, uh, that's a fourth of my income. And that's before sales tax and before property tax. So California basically wanted 30% of my income. I wasn't happy to to go along with that. By the way, and that's on top of your federal taxes. Of course. Yeah. So so you're probably surrounding as much as half of your income. Over half. Um, Over half. And in America, uh, this is the land of the free, and you were paying over half of your income in taxes. Slightly higher than the French top tax rate. That's amazing. So uh, anyway, the housing, and by the way, this, all the trends are showing that what you've done is what, you know, millions of Americans are doing now. They are moving away from the high tax areas of California and New York and my home state of Illinois and New Jersey and Connecticut. And they are moving to Texas and Tennessee and Florida and Utah and Idaho and Montana, places that have low taxes. And yet the left still says taxes don't affect behavior. Yeah, there was a wonderful cartoon saying um, Florida has issued a shelter at home order for residents of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Illinois. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. So, uh, so tell me about the housing market, uh, because when we visited, my wife and I visited uh, uh, Florida um, recently, um, and in fact, we had dinner with you, which was a lot of fun. We were looking at homes and we couldn't even find anything, <laughs> anything. Right, I mean, there's right. just no inventory. So is there a bubble, do you think, in the housing market? Um, bubbles are when valuation is out of touch with underlying reality. And so I don't view this as a bubble yet. I view okay. this as a somewhat frothy market based on special circumstances that show no signs of changing. And that latter observation is the key one. Uh, If we saw signs that current policies were likely to change in the coming three to five years, then yeah, there might be a risk, a downside risk to these markets. I don't think there is because um, uh, we have spent so much money that we don't have that it's um, hard to imagine that taxes, tax revenues can be permitted to go down, right. which in turn means that tax policies are unlikely to change in a more benign direction, no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's controlling Congress. Yeah, but, but so what do you, what do you go a lot higher? I mean, look, What's bills that? have to be paid, right? So all this debt, at some point, it's going to have to be paid off. And isn't that going to have negative consequences for the economy? Absolutely. Um, Milton Friedman famously pointed out that the true measure of tax rates is spending. Spending, right. Spending has to come out of today's taxes or tomorrow's taxes. And it's actually a little worse than that. It's all out of today's, but not out of today's taxes, out of today's private sector economy. Why? Because the money has to come in the form of current taxes or borrowing. Borrowing diverts financial resources from the private sector to the public sector. So either way, the private sector is taxed 100 cents on the dollar by whatever is spending has happened. So you're listening to Rob Arnott, who is the chairman of Research Associates, one of the smartest guys in the financial markets in our country. And uh, Robin, thanks again for um, for joining us. So uh, I want to we're going to have to take a break in about uh, two minutes. But I want to ask you before we take the break, if if Joe Biden were to call you up today 
<laughs> I don't think it's very likely, given that you're more it's of not a very likely. libertarian. But, <laughs> but if he did, and he might, and he said, Rob, what do we do to, to you know, turn around to, to make sure that uh, this inflation goes away and that we have a prosperous economy? What two or three, three things would you advise Joe Biden to do? Phase out the excess spending. Do it how fast? Just cut it. Cut, cut, cut. Yep. Cut, cut, cut. Uh, the the private sector will put those resources to work fast. Often right. overlooked when in all the discussions about the Great Depression is that there was another Great Depression in 2020 and 21. Excuse me, 1920 and 21. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, right. a- after World War One ended, yep. the economy slumped into a deep recession with massive deflation, massive contraction in the economy, and Warren Harding, who is often demonized as the worst president in history, simply looked at that and said, oh, tax receipts are down 25%. I guess I'd better cut government employment by 25%. Mm-hmm. And other than that, he did nothing. Well, that helped push us into an even deeper depression for about six months. As the private sector economy began to put these people back to work, and then we had the Roaring Twenties. So Warren Harding, yeah. Do you know, uh, Rob? That's that's a great historical data point. Um, And there was no quote stimulus, right? There was no government stimulus stimulus whatsoever. Yeah, and and it worked for the simple reason that uh, private enterprise works. And Uh, we got to take a quick break. Uh, hold that thought, Rob, and we will be right back. You're listening to WABC, The More Money Show, and I'll be right back with uh, Rob Arnott of Research Associates after the short message. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore with The More Money Show. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. It's cold, but it is nice and sunny on the East Coast. And uh, I I've, uh, have, have as my guest this afternoon, uh, Rob Arnott, who's one of the top financial analysts. Rob, can you quickly uh, explain the point that you made in your Wall Street Journal piece today about COVID and how to solve the problem? Uh, uh, the health crisis. Absolutely. Uh, Somewhat in the spirit of um, Jonathan Swift's modest proposal, I decided to suggest a uh, rather extreme answer, Um, not because it's right, but because it's not necessarily wrong. Um, And that was quite simply to say, um, the Omicron variant is uh, clearly more contagious than any previous variant of COVID. It's spreading like wildfire. It is clearly less lethal than any previous COVID uh, variant. The people going to the hospital because of COVID, and just placeholder there, I'll come back to that in a second, because of COVID are very few. The people dying are even fewer by a wide margin. And so the mortality associated with this is a fraction of previous variants of COVID. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you catch the Omicron variant, firstly, you will get antibodies. You will get additional antibodies that could help protect you against a more lethal COVID variant in the future. Might not fully protect you, but it could. And will it kill you? 
Almost certainly not. So maybe what we should all do is run out and have Omicron parties and try to catch it. Uh, it was a radical proposal. I, I, I suggested that the prudent response to Omicron might be to encourage vaccinated people and even unvaccinated young adults to catch it while protecting the at-risk population. That last point, I think, is important. Um, and if we do that, millions and millions of people have the additional antibodies and we move towards um, uh, herd immunity. Now, the main point in raising this suggestion was not to say this is the right answer, but to point out that it's not necessarily the wrong answer. And because it's not the wrong answer, we could have a dialogue here. Every death is a tragedy, but we all die. So it makes sense to examine death from a cost-benefit analysis perspective. So the mantra, follow the science, which usually is used to muzzle exploration of alternative views, true scientific method involves airing of opinions, vetting hypotheses, exploring alternative answers, not stifling debate. And in the soft sciences like economics and health policy, uh, it also requires us to ask tough cost-benefit questions. The death toll from COVID, not attributable to the virus, but attributable to uh, increased um, homicide, overdose, suicide, home accidents, attributable to people not going to the hospital when they need to. That's now over 200,000 people. Wow. How wow. often we do call we hear those the media reporting those care, right? Wow. So that's an amazing analysis. What has been, uh, by the way, I, I want to apologize to Ronnie and a couple of others who called in. We are going to, we're pretty close to being spot out of time. I promise I will take your calls next week. And uh, Ronnie and Judy and the others that have been holding on, please call back next week. And I, I promise I will take your calls next week. But Rob, uh, we've got about a minute and a half left. What has been the response to uh, your your analysis in the Wall Street Journal? I have been shocked. Uh, usually when, uh, I, I haven't done nearly as many op-eds as you have, but usually in the comments that uh, get posted to Wall Street Journal online, uh, you're gonna see far more critics than folks who say attaboy. Uh, yeah. This go around, it's about 80-20. 80-20 in really? favor, saying- They we, agree with you. We need, we, uh, they either agree with the suggestion of, hey, this isn't dangerous, uh, why don't we <laughs> go catch it? And no, I'm not planning to go catch it deliberately, although I might catch it in, uh, accidentally. But they were also saying thank you for pointing out that we need a dialogue. Yeah. And unconventional answers may be the best way to end this protracted nightmare. The nightmare is absolutely no longer you know, and, about and- COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, that's what I loved about your piece. I didn't even agree with all of what you said, but, you know, one of the lessons, folks, of COVID is this follow Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group dot com.